Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today is episode 107 and we're going to be interviewing Frank L. How are you doing this morning, Frank? Doing great, Jim. Thank you. Glad to have you on. So it's uh, you're uh, outside in nature this morning. <laughs> yes, sir. Nice, uh, quiet little, well, hopefully it's quiet little county park here. So that's great. Enjoy that's nature. Great. It looks nice and peaceful from where I'm looking. <laughs> so let's dive in here and get started. Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about growing up. Growing up, my mom and dad were together. I, um, I think about six, six or seven, I started playing soccer and I played soccer all the way up through high school. We played year, year round here in Baltimore. So we played winter ball, summer ball, fall ball, spring ball, everything. Uh, like I said, I played all the way up through high school. Um, I think around 12 or 14, my uh, parents separated. So my dad moved out. So I was with mom, a uh, single parent. Um, lower middle income family, um, you know, stayed with soccer my whole life. So I, I, I was in sports my whole life, but, um, you know, with dad, not there eventually after in my teenage years, you know, I, I had to find something else and, uh, started to run wild. How did you run wild? What kind of stuff were you doing? Hanging with, uh, you know, instead of the sports people hang with other people, and that's probably when alcohol and pot men, you know, in high school, and it really wasn't too too much, but uh, I knew it was there. And uh, you know, I played, like I said, I played soccer till my senior year. <clears throat> excuse me, and then uh, after my senior year, I had, you know, what do you do then? So I go to community college and. That was such a bust because all I did was uh, smoke pot every day, sold sold pot, um, probably went through like two or three semesters, and then I uh, failed out of uh, college. Um, then real, I had a real a quick, going back a little bit, what was it like for you when your parents divorced? What did you go through? It was, it was tough. I mean, you know, cause you grow up with both parents there and now it's like, you know, you're just with your mom. I see dad on the weekends. Um, we go to like fishing trips or I'd spend a night or two up his house, but, um, it, it, I get, it was definitely hard cause you're so used to both parents being there. And, um, without my dad there, without that authority figure, that's that's probably you know one of the things that made me go on the other side when you say the other side what do you mean as in staying you know instead of sticking with sports doing school um partying you know when i was like 16 i think i got my first car so uh you know i had that freedom of on the weekends i just left and go to go and smoke hot or drink all weekend long you know when i was uh, growing up drinking each year was 18 so we could we could get somebody to buy us beer beer anytime so uh that's probably when my addiction probably first started and um it just progressed a lot more after that but you know when i was young it was just mainly smoking pot and drinking 
were you using it as an escape to get away from any type of i would say i was you know because you know like i said before you know you're growing up with both parents now dad's not here excuse me so now it's like an escape maybe to get attention um doing whatever i could i mean i think i remember I graduated in 81, but I remember in 82, I got my first DWI. So I was probably like 18 or 19. And um, I don't think that's normal. No, I mean, then again, who's to say what's normal, but that's definitely not not the um, norm of society. <laughs> so what happened when, how'd you get pulled over? Oh, uh, how did I, I, I remember then. Probably me and my buddies were out drinking. Um, and back in that day, I mean, it, it isn't strict like it was now. You know, we're talking 82. And, uh, you know, pulled over, breathalyzer, <clears throat> you know, failed all that stuff, field of sobriety. Um, pretty much got a slap on the wrist. And I was like, well, this ain't bad. I mean, I know I can drink and drive. And, if I get caught and nothing really bad will happen, you know? So, uh, that, that was my first one. So what did you do once you graduated high school? You're living at home. I living at home. I lived at home and, uh, started working and, um, then, you know, progressed into weekends it was probably like, you know, got into me and my buddy, you know, got, we were like, uh, we were buying cocaine and selling it. And, um, that, that went on for years, you know, um, um, you know, still worked. I didn't worry about, were you using cocaine? Oh yeah. I was probably my best customer. (laughs) What time, uh, not time. When did that start? That probably started mid eighties. <clears throat> mid 80s late how 80s. old were you uh i was probably 20 late mid 20s by then middle 20s and that that went on for years and uh you know just partying going out to the clubs that was you know you just worked for the weekend i didn't worry about anything you know living at home i paid a little bit of rent here and there didn't have to worry about cleaning house, doing anything around the house, you know, because mom was there. Um, probably an, a big enabler. I look at, back at it now, but, um, you know, she did the best she could. And I just went with, started going off to the races. So were you using a lot with your friends? Yeah, yeah. And weekends, then I'm sure it progressed into during the week, weeknights. And um, that went for a while. And, um, you know, didn't have to worry about work because I didn't get drug tested on the jobs I was working at. And, um, you know, that was mainly, I guess, the addiction started going further and further that, you know, I can worry about just using and not worrying about real life. But you were working full time. You did have a job while doing all this. Had a job. I, you know, I, I was there at a job and um, 
you know, and, and uh, that job, you know, went to other jobs. And of course, everybody's in, um, you know, Friday payday comes around and they all come see me because I had to weed and I had to coke. So I was like, you know, selling to everybody at work Friday night, I'd go out, probably wouldn't come home till Sunday because we were out using all weekend, partying in my buddy's house, partying here, partying there. And then just Groundhog Day over and over, start all over again on Monday. How were you as far as mentally? I was, I thought I was fine. I mean, I didn't know addiction was a disease back then. I thought it was just, shit, this, this is, this is how you live your life. You know, you work five days and then you party from Friday to Monday morning. Yeah. The, uh, the term I've heard before is the, uh, weekend warrior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was it until, you know, it started, uh, started on Thursday, you know, and then you start missing work on Friday or, you know, calling in on Monday because you're still messed up from the weekend. But um, I functioned, I guess, as long as I could until years later. And then uh, I had to get a regular job, you know, and um, that was uh, it was actually a union job where they started. Uh, that was my first experience, I guess, getting drug tested. Were you able to pass the drug test? I passed the first, you know, and pre-employment and all. Yeah, I was, I was doing great, you know, cause I knew it was coming up, but, um, they would do randoms and <laughs> it was, it was a big mess. You never know when they would come in. I mean, the union could only cover you so much, but, uh, if they come in for a random drug, drug test, I remember one day, um, we were partying probably the day before. And then they came in for random and a gentleman, you know, he would have somebody else's sample and he'd go up to the microwave, put it in. And it was like 110 degrees. And they were like, nah, we need another sample. And the next one was like 80. So it was like, they knew what was going on. And another, you get a slap on the wrist. You had to go, you know, with the union. What do you, what do you mean they knew what was going on? What do you mean? They, they knew people were using they knew they were using, but I mean, they needed, I guess the bottom line in, in a company, they needed that, uh, that production and all. So as long as you weren't trashed on the job and doing your job, it was fine. But, you know, nobody was really walking around like a zombie back then and, and getting hurt or getting other people hurt. They were just using smoking pot or, you know, doing Coke once in a while. But, uh, it, it eventually caught up to the people that were using. Caught up to me. So what was your social life like during all this? The whole time, uh, single, going out on the weekends, partying, uh, you know, meeting girls, having weekend flings. Um, you know, probably had girlfriends but that didn't last long because i was more worried about using than uh, you know relationships so what was your daily intake like like how much did you use in, in the beginning how much were you using in the beginning probably just smoking uh, you know a joint wake up smoke a joint in the morning 
uh, smoke at lunchtime, um, after work, not much, you know, uh, doing coke on the weekends. And like I said, it progressed until like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And um, that was it until uh, I guess uh, probably like 35 or 40. I did that for years until I got introduced to heroin. So what you said, you were 35? About 35. Yeah, I was late. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that stuff. That's, you know, I would think of junkies shooting needles in their arms and all. But, uh, you know, I'm an addict, so I'll try anything. And uh, I remember I remember this day when they, they um, the guy would run out at lunchtime because I'm in I'm like in East Baltimore and you could go in Baltimore City and cop on any corner. And he would run out at lunchtime, bring it back. And he brought some back and I said, I'll try it. And me and my friend tried it. My friend to this day, I remember he threw his guts up. And to me, I just had that euphoric feeling. I was like, wow, this is something different. This is, you know, this isn't like Coke. This isn't like pot and all. And um, I think that's when my, my cravings for um, heroin started. And, you know, I would only do it on the weekends or once in a while. But, of course, as you know, that's that's the progress to every day. How did you use it your first time? Snorted it. Snorted it. Yeah. I've heard people say that heroin feels like a warm blanket. Yeah, you just get that warm feeling. You get a rush. To me, it was like I had a rush more than cocaine. I mean, I had so much energy. Uh, if I started to drag down, I just do a little bit of more and get that energy again. And, you know, I could do a 12-hour shift and like six hours do all my work. And it was like, oh, this is great, man. I love this feeling. But uh, So heroin just, gave you energy? Yeah, to me, it just had me going. I mean, and and because I was only doing a little bit at a time, but then as it progressed and I was doing more and more, then the the nodding came on. Then the you know the 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 drop where you're using it. I had energy, and then all of a sudden, if I didn't have any, I'd be like, you know, just sitting there nodding or falling asleep, <clears throat> and it's like four in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, it's not normal, but I didn't know. I was in my full-blown addiction when I was, like, using it. And then if you didn't have it in the morning, that that was the worst feeling in the world. I mean, you were dope sick. <clears throat> yes, sir. Yep. And you find ways and means to get it. And, you know, I was I was a smart addict. You know, I was thinking, you know, so I figured out a way somehow to get it. And that's when <clears throat> life got really bad. So how did life get really bad? I would I had savings bonds for my son. I ended up cashing them in. Wait, wait, um, hold, on, hold on. You had a family? Yeah, still do. Go back yeah. to when you had your because I was just about I, to ask you, did you have any yeah, romantic relationships? Sure. Or go back. I, uh, 
I didn't get married till I was like 41. And uh, my wife, we, uh, my son was born in 04. We went through in vitro. And even with my son being born and my family and a new, you know, new wife, I mean, you know, I, I thought I had it all, but my disease told me, well, you can have that, but I also want you too. So that's when my disease was like, I was covering it, but I couldn't cover it too much. So, um, you know, I, I was a functioning addict. I'd work, I'd do what I had to do, but I'd still use. And I was probably using every day, every other day until the end. And um, that that's when you say shit hit the fan. When did your did your wife know you were doing this? At first, I don't know if she knew or not, but <laughs> I know probably five, ten years into it, she knew something was up. I mean, I'm standing there talking and I'm doing the nodding and money's missing. I'm I'm saying I'm working overtime and it's not showing up on the paycheck and you know, I, I was a bullshitter. I, I I said what I said to do to get a drug. And even with the family, it's, it's, you know, I look at it now, it's sad, but I mean, the past is a past. I can't do anything about it now. I can just worry about the future, but, you know, not spending time with my son growing up, um, not spending family time, vacation time. Uh, it just, it just progressed bad real bad so when did it get real bad i would say like <clears throat> we last november we were married 20 years so 10 years into it she knew she knew what i was doing and i tried treatment i tried like outpatient treatment or you know go to the doctor get to some box and strips um, use them for a while. I do good for a month or so. And then my addiction would say, oh, well, you can do a little bit of heroin today. You're fine. You know, look, you got this. So it would go from using Suboxone and going and buying heroin. And then it progressed into, I'd get my script, selling my script just so I could have money for the for the heroin, selling the Suboxone, um, coming up dirty on urine analysis at my treatment. And, um, you know, I probably, I probably quit 20 times. You know, uh, I remember going cold Turkey at the house one time and my wife was there and she babied me, you know, like, like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I mean, she tried to help me get through it. She wanted me to get better, but I'd go through it. I'd withdraw. A week or two later, I'd be doing good, and then back to my own ways. And that was, you know, working with people, and I'd be okay. And then, oh, can you drop me off at home? And they, of course, would live in Baltimore, and I drop them off, and my stinking thinking would kick in people, places, and things. And I go back. So the suboxone didn't work for you. The suboxone didn't work. It it helped, but I wasn't. I guess I wasn't ready for it, Jim. You know, I 
I guess they say you got to hit a bottom, rock bottom, or any kind of bottom before you see the light. And I, I think I did that more for other people than myself because I, I was an addict. I wanted to use whatever I could do to pacify them and show them, oh, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to do this, uh, you know. But my disease would still come back to me and say, look, you, you know, you don't need that. You, you know, you can go out there and sniff a pill of dope. To, uh, you know, today you'll be fine. And uh, it didn't work. So what happened as far as the shit hitting the fan? I was, I was uh, laid off due to COVID. So uh, here where we are, I guess everywhere, I mean, I'm getting paid to stay home. I'm using, I'm getting 600 extra dollars a week from the federal government. So I'm like, all this money's rolling in. I got a part-time job at my buddy's liquor store. Great place to work. Um, people were using there. And uh, I, I worked good until unemployment ran out. And I would just work work at the liquor store. Uh, actually, shit, I, I had an app on my phone, Uber Drugs. All I'd do was text a guy and he would bring the stuff to the liquor store and I'd be high five six days a week working, go home. And then that's when, you know, my wife knew I was using and it got to the point where she actually bought home drug tests to tell, say, look, you're, you're dirty. Look, and I couldn't lie about that. I, you know, I could look at, I look straight in her eyes and tell her, no, I'm not using. And I'm, all the stuff she would know she would tell you know she was with me for that was probably 19 20 19 years then she could tell by my actions my facial expressions the way i would talk and she knew what was up so um i i ran with that for a little while i i remember i'd work at the liquor store and like 7 30 i'd stop using i'd start drinking bottles bottles of water i drank like five or six seven of them so if i got home i know if she would drug test me, I would maybe pass. And then that's back to pacifying her. Say, look, I'm not using. Here I am using all day long until I get home. I pass the drug test and then go up and use the rest of the night. So um, that went on till I would say last year, I would say August 24th or 25th. I remember called up, called up my dealer. And I uh, bought some heroin. And I remember him saying, watch it, man. This stuff is strong. Uh, and I'm like an addict of me saying, man, I've been doing this stuff for like 15, 20 years. Uh, I got I got it. Well, uh, once I started doing that, it, it just hit me. And I know I've, I've had fentanyl before. This had to be car fentanyl because I was at the liquor store working. He sent me home. And then um, got home, and I don't remember, probably like four or five days. I mean, I was probably there, but my mind wasn't. You know, the car fentanyl just messed me up. I didn't. I wasn't thinking. I didn't know what was going on. August twenty eighth. <clears throat> I see. I would sneak out in the morning before everybody woke up, and I'd run to Baltimore 
buy my dope and come home and everybody's still sleeping. So I'm, oh, I got this. So I remember riding to West Baltimore to buy dope, <clears throat> excuse me. And I already had it on me. That's that's the weird stuff. I already had stuff at home. So I, I don't remember driving over there. I don't remember driving back. Um, my wife called me that Saturday, August 28th. Where are you? I said, I made excuse like I'm going to get coffee. Well, there's a damn 7-Eleven right across the street from where we live. What, what are you doing? Uh, you know, a half an hour, an hour away. Um, she pulled up at the 7-Eleven where I was. All the doors are open on my Jeep. The latch, the hood is open, the rear. She said, what the F are you doing? She said, um, I don't remember. She said, that I told her I'm looking for my keys. She said, get the F in the car. She took me home Saturday, and that was it. Uh, she started calling treatment centers. Well, one called back, and... Jim, I don't even remember doing intake on the phone with this treatment center, but they set me up for that night to fly to Florida. <clears throat> well, me as a, you know, I'm still an addict. I'm functioning. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Uh, my idea was, well, I need to take some shit down there with me. So I actually had a cigarette pack. I had like four pills of dope in it, and I put it in my back where my belt is. I walked through security. He patted me down, went through there. He said, what's this? I said, oh, it's my cigarettes. He just put them on the, on the counter and walked by. I mean, who keeps their cigarettes in their back belt loop, you know, in there and they're behind their pants. So I remember the cigarettes were sitting on the counter there. I had my phone on top of them and my wife was going over there to grab them. And I was like, shit, I heard it. Went over there, grabbed it, put my shoes on. We went and sat and wait for the flight. And I'm... I'm out of it. I'm nodding. I can't keep my head up. I can't do this, that. Um, <laughs> and it's funny. And I think of it now, but she was like, well, tell them years ago you had a stroke. And when you get in the air, uh, the, the, the elevation makes you uh, nauseous or something. I don't know what it was, but uh, I got on the plane and then I nodded out. I guess five minutes later, I wake up. Here's TSA, here's paramedics, here's, uh, you know, the, the flight crew. And they escorted me off the plane. The public kicked me off the plane. That was August 28th. So now I'm, I'm at PWI airport. My wife thinks I'm on my way to Florida. So I got to call her and kicked off the plane. She had to come back and get me. I went home in the bed. She told me stories now. She actually my son sleep outside the door so I wouldn't sneak out that night. Morning to go in here. Like the next morning, I was nice. I went to the port. She took me there. Did the same thing. Had the fells of dope in my ass. Got through TSA. Went to Florida. I made it down there. And uh, when they picked me up, I was so out of it. I remember he picked me up and he seen I couldn't walk. He seen something was up. So I remember getting in a wheelchair. They took me to my treatment center. And of course, you know, they searched everything, you know, my bags and all. So they found my dope in here. My wife packed my bag with my clothes and she didn't know I had weed and uh, hidden in one of the compartments. So they found like 
two or three different baggies of weed, a pipe and all that stuff. And um, that was Sunday, August 29th. Went through my tree. Um, it was, like I said, on a Sunday. And I remember, Jim, to this day, Wednesday. I don't know what meds they had me on, what the just the atmosphere, what it was. But one morning, I remember I woke up. It was like 8 in the morning. We didn't have class till like 9 or 9.30. And I'm out there shooting basketball hoops. I just had, I felt so good. Um, I felt like crap because, you know, where I was and all, but something in my body kicked and was like, you know, I didn't feel that withdrawal, that, that dope sickness. And that, that helped a lot. But um, I'm out there shooting basketball hoops. Did you go cold turkey or did they give you some? No, they gave me, they gave me a bunch of meds. I don't know what they were, but. Whatever they gave me at work, because I was there Sunday, and like I said, by Wednesday, I'm out there shooting basketball hoops, seven in the morning. I'm eating. I'm eating three meals a day. I mean, I've been dope sick plenty of times, and you don't want to eat. You don't want to drink. You don't want to do anything but just lay and act like a baby in the bed. But something happened, and to this day, I, I credit it as a higher power something you know made me see the light and plant that seed that i don't have to live like that man i don't have to worry about using every day um you know messing up my life at home um jails institutions had both of them i don't want to die and that was that was the start of my treatment august 29th last last year how was treatment? It was freaking awesome. I mean, um, I I went to a place in Florida, and uh, it was for some reason it's another higher power. I mean, I love music. I listen to music my whole life, rock and roll and all. And this place was based on music. Um, you know, it was it was in uh, Lake Worth, Fort Lauderdale, and uh, first, you know, they. I was in detox probably for like 15 days. But like I said, after that third day, I was feeling great. I mean, doing all my classes, you, you got to exempt if you're in detox. You didn't have to go to classes all the time. You, you didn't have to go to meetings and all, but I made sure I was there. And the community we had, I mean, if you're having a bad day, you're in detox. I mean, everybody would pick you up. Everybody, hey, how you doing? And actually mean it. And that's when, you know, I met a group of people when, uh, that were in Florida that we still keep together. We still keep in touch to this day. We have a group chat. We have one person. <laughs> she uh, sends a text every morning, like five in the morning, just for today. And, I mean, that gets me going, you know. And then we chat all day. We, uh, we have a Zoom meeting on Sunday at 8 from everybody from the recovery center. And um, it, it definitely, you know, that, that had a big step into changing my life around. And that was my first place I went through outpatient. I always did inpatient, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. I'm fine, I'm fine to go back to use them. I think, you know, it was just how to change that people, places and things. And I went to Florida and it, Something kicked while I was down there. 
And you're still not sure what just happened, you know, just something that came along and something came along. I remember Jim, you know, um, I was in detox, then you went to housing, then uh, the next step was like PHP where you get a little leeway. Um, you get to go shopping, you know, they didn't have your meals. You had to go to the store, buy your own meals. We had like four guys in each little room. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was like an old 1950s uh, mom and pop hotel. Had the little kidney pool in the middle. We're in a, it's a single letter, uh, old hotel that they refurbished for everybody. We have four people in the, it was probably like four or five rooms together. And uh, we go shopping. And I remember um, looking in that mirror. And, you know, I was like, what the F am I doing here? I mean, people go to Florida on vacation. Here, I'm 58 years old in Florida going through drug treatment. Something isn't right with this. So um, I just, from that that first day on, you know, it was like looking in that mirror and uh, realizing that's got to be a better way. And there is, there is a better way than what we were used to and accustomed to dealing. Absolutely. Right. I, think, I think all of us addicts learn that all of us addicts in recovery, I should say, some of us are yet to learn it. Right. It, it's, I mean, it may take years. It may take, you know, a month, uh, may take a bottom rock bomb, whatever it takes, but you know, something, I mean, it has to be in here if you want it. And once you want it and you realized how much BS you did in the past, you know, how many people you hurt, how many people, you know, you lied, chilled, cheated, stole from. I mean, it, it's, you know, you th I think about it now and it's, it's, it, it keeps me going, you know, cause I, you know, I, I would learn that, you know, the past is the past. I can't do anything about it. All I can do is worry about today and then show today that I don't want to go back to that living. You know, it's, it's not worth it. Luckily, that higher power still kept me alive. So what are you doing nowadays to stay sober? I'm doing, <clears throat> I have uh, meetings. I probably do like four or five a week in person here. I do my Zoom on Sunday night. I keep in touch with all my people that were in Florida. Uh, we have a group chat, like I said, and we're on it all day long. Uh, you know, uh, I have a big base here of everybody in, in the meetings. I have a lot of phone numbers, and we check up on everybody every day. Um, I do not hang around people that are using um do not go around places that people places and things you know i i do what i have to do i concentrate on my family concentrate on work i got an old job back and i'm doing great there um go to the ball games i, I go to the oriole games on uh i got a sunday season ticket plan so uh it's crazy first open, uh, opening day this year where I didn't have to worry about sneaking out early, buying dope, and then going to the ball game. I went to the ball game and had a great time. 
I mean, it was this this whole year has been like, man, I can go to the ball game and have a great time without using drugs. This is amazing. That's great to hear. I'm really happy for you. Thank you. And so let me it's, ask it's pretty crazy. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go first. Oh, I, no, it's, I, it's pretty crazy that uh, we're doing an interview today and <laughs> on my app it popped up. I have uh, nine months today. Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. That is a long mm. time. Yeah, and I mean, one day at a time, but nine months in a row, I'm not using, wow, that's, I would have never thought, you know, they always say, you know, uh, I hear uh, once you're an addict, you know, I mean, what, what choices do you have? I mean, you're probably going to die an addict, but it doesn't have to be like that, man. I mean, it took me plenty, plenty years of street research to figure out that it's a whole lot better. Yeah. So my last question to you is, do you have any advice for people that are watching and listening? I would say, um, do not give up. I mean, I heard in a meeting one day, a gentleman had 18 years clean. He said, is that $6 pill of dope worth your life? And that hit, it was like, serious, $6? And I've I've been to plenty of funerals of friends of mine. I was still on addiction. I didn't that didn't hit me. And what hit me was something higher power kicked in my heart said, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to put that addiction before your family, your work, just anything, you know. It's it's just don't give up. I mean, seek for me i had to seek treatment i mean but people places and things man that that's that was my big downfall and i had to change all that i mean it's it's so worth it to live a so-called normal life you know without using any substance um it's so much better i mean it's the rewards come i mean it's some days, I mean, it's not going to be all unicorns and rainbows, but guess what? Normal people deal with that every day. You know, I'm an addict and I know I can't use anymore because my life can go to shit in like a day, half a day, an hour. And from what I did to where I am now, I'm not giving that up. No, definitely not worth giving that up. But so, yeah, don't yeah, don't 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 give up. I mean, you know, if, if you're still using um maintenance, whatever you have to do, you know, cold turkey, um just think, just think, man, that, that's your life, man, and how many lives you'll affect. And it's it's so much better without drugs. So do you have anything else you want to add before we go? No, no, just uh, have a great Memorial Day weekend. I mean, just um, everybody, you know, um, whatever you got to do. I mean, go to meetings, go Zoom meetings. Um, it's, it's that disease wants one thing, that addiction wants one thing, and that's our life. Don't give it to them. 
and I appreciate you coming on the show today. No problem. Thank you for having me. No, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. So for everybody watching and listening, if you like what you heard and saw, go below, give us a like. Also subscribe to see when we're uploading new videos. You can check us out on Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. We have a Facebook page and a group. I suggest you go check out there. There's a lot of resources and information. And as far as resources and information go, we also have addicts-anonymous.com. We've got a ton of stuff as far as literature and all types of stuff. So that's all I have for today and until next time.